There we go. I think we're now recording. Yes, okay. we are. We are now recording, so anything you do say and will say will be held against you in a court of law. <laughs> that goes to you, Gregor. Uh, you're right. fine, Chris. You're fine. Uh, what, are we, what, what are we doing anyway? Start recording. You've not told us what we're doing. Hi, this is Sean Ferrick from Trek Culture. You are listening to Spock the Week podcast. to another episode of Spock the Week. For some strange and unfathomable reason, he hasn't learned his lesson. Once again, we are joined by Christopher. Welcome back, Chris. Uh, how are you doing this fine 2021? We've made it to the other side of 2020. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Thanks yeah, for coming it's... back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't scared me off yet. Uh... We'll see what we can do tonight, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's try and put let's try and put you off and see what happens. So <laughs> once again, we are here, and this we are going to talk about. Well, basically, what better way to talk about 2020 than to talk about the year of hell from Voyager? Um, how would the Voyager crew deal with what uh, humanity has had to deal with over the last 12 months? What would Janeway do? You know, I mean, I think it's a great way to describe. I mean, we're we're into a new year. It's a f- first recording we've made after the new year it won't be the first episode you good listeners will be listening to in the new year but it's our first ever recording if 2021 let's have at it since we're discussing 2020 and year year of hell and all that Mm -hmm. can i do the music i I think i found some appropriate music suitable for 2020 do you want to well the first thing is are we going to get a copyright blast for this ah no 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 it's just if he sings it we're good Oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to sing it. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be an original. <laughs> be an original. Okay. If it's a cover, you're fine. Uh, okay, well, just for a minute, because I'm, 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 yeah, okay, okay. But, play, okay. Play so, right, so, so, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to play some music. Okay, I'm, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play this. <laughs> it should be good. He's broken. Warming up his voice. Give him a moment. Oh, bless him. He's, he's gone for Mozart. Listen, listen to that. Is this not appropriate music to say goodbye to 20? Does this not sum up 2020? Mozart's always a good, is always a good suggestion.
see. That's that's perfect. Twenty end of twenty twenty music. You're just tuning in. But see, this is the thing with you coming from Yorkshire. You just have no culture. You know, it's like hey, hey, lad, hey, lad. It was a brass band that was. I bought my brass band in Yorkshire tea. You done? Shall we, shall we talk about Star Trek? Right, Instead of, in, you know, I am the closest thing Great Britain has to a redneck, so let's uh, leave the insults on the back door. Leave your insults. Leave right your insults now. in your quarters, Ensign. <laughs> we will not have this on our bridge. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we have just... I mean, we started this podcast um, in 2020 uh, during the lockdown. In a way, there has been some beneficial... Uh, aspects to what we've all been through and a lot of people have done that a lot of people have uh, used the time to benefit themselves catch up on certain star trek episodes have missed or binge watch other programs that are available we started a podcast um we're doing great because as at the time of recording we have a regular download of at least four every week so there are four people, and all four of them are from the United States of America. So God bless you all. Really? Yes. Last at the last count, we have forty-one downloads from the US over the last the last section of downloads. The biggest market is Dallas, Texas. So big up to Dallas, Texas. Well done for those poor people that feel the need to download us every week. Really do apologize for Gregor his, and myself and everything that we do because we just make this up as we go along. Anyway, um, I digress. Oh, well, no, no, it's great. I mean, Dallas is where the North Stars went, so when they left Minnesota, so another hockey connection. So, I mean, hey, go Dallas. I mean, it's the only time I'm going to say it because I'm a total Packers fan, so I'm not going to be rooting for the Cowboys anytime soon. But so are, the, are the Packers <laughs> going to qualify for the playoffs tonight? So oh, I've just dated it because we're talking about the playoffs. It's the end of the regular, oh, yeah, it's no. the end of the regular season. It's just, it's all gone tits up already. It's all right. I'm a neutral in this one anyway because uh, I'm a Dolphins fan. So <laughs> go Dolphins. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers yet. I should. I just get the I just get the updates. I'm one of those guys who might. Yeah, my team's playing. All right, cool. And then that's about it. Yeah. Pretty do you know much what also's happening? Do you know what also's happening tonight? Not that we're trying to date it. The, the podcast for tonight, but also tonight we've got the world darts fight between Price and Scotland's own Gary Anderson. Come on, Gary! Wow, darts! Yes. Oi, oi, oi! <laughs> if you've ever watched the, scat, the darts on Sky, you will get that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> I'm limited by uh, not having Sky. Um, I got to watch when I was in London three years ago, but that's about it. <laughs> and and Chelsea have just been humped by Man City 3-1. Again, I'm not trying to date the podcast, but I've just been listening to Radio 5 Live. Man, not Man, Man United, Man City have just humped Chelsea at Stamford Bridge 3-1. For nice. anyone. And um, the Star Trek connection? I'm Rina Sirtis watches football, uh, so... Good save. Good save, Chris. I like it. For extra uh, added points, what team does she support? Well, she this I'm gonna get hell for this. Um, first. Yes, yeah. get that man a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> so Marina would have She'll been still happy. Talk to me. She'll still talk to me. That she ever did. I think I've said two words to her my entire life. Uh, <laughs> yes, Marina, if you're watching or listening or whatever, not that you would ever even be anywhere near this podcast, but. Uh, he got it right, so please speak to him. Marina, yes. if you're listening, Marina, Harry Kane is my cousin. 
She's no going to listen every week. And she's going to look that up, and she's going to uh, find out that you are actually not. How do you know I'm not Harry Kane's cousin? I don't know. I just, I'm just trying to steer this back to where it should yeah, let's, be. Let's, 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 let's steer back. This got off the rails last time, so which is kind of fun, but yeah, yeah. There are, um, uh, there, there are rails. Where? Yeah. <laughs> is there anything in rails. those mince pies? Boundaries. What are those? <laughs> Everything's on the table now. So. Comparing anyway. comparing 2020, right, to yeah. the year of hell. I mean, obviously, it's not a direct comparison because they were basically hounded and tapped. They didn't know when the next thing was going to come, when the next attack was going to come, how bad the shit, whether they were going to survive. In a way, we were a bit like that here in the UK with uh, one minute we're out of lockdown, next minute we're in the lockdown, next minute we're in disease restrictions, then restrictions. I mean, it's a hard thing to describe, to be honest with you, because it's... There's nothing really to compare it to. I mean, what would Jay? Well, let's start. Let's start with some obscure characters then. Um, what would what would Neelix do in if he was in that situation? What would he do? That'd be an interesting. I don't. This is where I think comparing to the year of hell to 2020 falls apart a little bit. They don't know. Jamie doesn't know what's going to happen in in, in the year of hell. Um, but you contrast this, Jamie's experience of the Year of Hell with, um, what's the character Cutwood Smith plays? Not Anthrax, uh, <laughs> something else. What's his name again? It's, it's something similar to that, isn't it? It's yeah, very it's, similar. It's, it's, oh, Anthrax. Anthrax, yeah. Anthrax, yeah, yeah. Played by Cutwood Smith, yeah. So the Anorax, the Cutwood Smith character, is con- constantly trying to adjust the timeline and make amends for mistakes past and get things on the right path. Now, I would contrast that with where Jadius is with what our experience was in the UK, where learning mistakes of the past bore absolutely no part in any decision-making of Boris Johnson's government. So every <laughs> went into the first lockdown too late and it was quite bad. Came out of it too soon and it was quite bad. Had to go back into another second lockdown in October that lasted till December but again went into it too late because the advice it was given was do it in September and now we're about to at the time of this recording and I'm not saying this to screw up the timeline uh, of, of, of when our date when it's recorded I, I suspect that tomorrow we are going to get some really bad news here in the UK with regards to what's happening next and um, all the signs are that we're going to get some bad news and it's just like you know we've got the real life politicians here not learning from the mistakes that they made earlier in the year, constantly procrastinating and contrast. I think that's very different from Anthrax's experience of the year of hell. Now, where I think we're, like Jamie is, we don't know what's going to happen. I think that's where our parallel with the year of hell comes in. At our level, we don't know what's happening because the powers that be are um, fanning around, basically. And, and, well, if you want to go off of that analogy too, we also have a lot of people trying to compromise, and Jane Wynn wasn't one to compromise. She was all about, you know, we had one leader who had a very specific role. Oh, yeah, and she had to adapt to multiple changes, but she didn't know what was going on. Whereas with the U.S. and the U.K., it sounds like there's a lot of similarities there with the fact that we knew what we had to do. It was just the fact that people are refusing to do it, and there's a lot of compromise in when we should do it, and that's why these lockdowns happen too late, and people can come out of them too soon because you have a you have other people screaming, going, no, this is wrong. It's like, no, you guys have a plan. You guys just need to be able to put it into place. And you get and people who don't believe who think the virus is a quote unquote hoax, which concerning the fact that I've got a number of family members who have had the virus, I can guarantee you it's not. Just realizing that no, you do need these stricter quarantines, you do need these stricter lockdowns, and not trying just to because you're bored wanting to leave. Uh, whereas on Voyager, they all knew they had a they had a goal they had to survive. They had a goal to, of what needed to get done. And it was only when Voyager could not sustain uh, its crew that they actually 
you know, sent them off. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard to compare what Janeway would do compared to what's going on now because of the fact that, you know, a 147 people as opposed to between our two countries, roughly 400 to 450 million people at all, all with varying opinions, all with different opinions and all with different objectives and all with different needs. And they're all trying to do what I guess they feel is best or whatever, uh, whatever. I kind of lost where I was going with that, but I think you guys understand the point I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, your compa- um I'm, I'm just going to call him Ant because I don't want to say Anthrax. Anorax. Think train spotter. Yes. Um, groups of train spotter and Anorak of train spotters. Yes, that's our little uh, our name for a rail fan, for those of you listening yeah. in the States. That's what we uh, they usually refer to as Anorax. Um, and just as a little sidebar on that one, they're not as they're, they're a little bit more ridiculed here than they are in. It's not as uh, a popular sport here. When I say not a popular sport, there are a lot of people that do it, but it's uh, it's like that sort of oh, okay. sort of thing, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, going back to what we were speaking, so Anorax was, I think, to be honest with you, he kind of in a way reminds me of the way things have been going on in this like keeps trying to mend the mistake of the previous decision so in his case the previous decision was to uh, go back to this particular point in time and remove this race from the history or remove this plant from the history or something like that every time he makes that decision and he goes back to his present time and it's not worked, he has to go back and try and rectify that decision. By going back and rectifying that decision, he can completely reset it because he's already done the damage with the first decision. And that, I think, is something, is a, a comparison that we can use because on both sides of the pond, decisions have been made by politicians and people in positions of power that have set areas or nations or counties or whatever onto a certain course. And then they've realised, oh, that's not, that's not working. But the damage has already been done from that decision. And that I think that's a very good comparison to that because it just shows that we're trying to sort of, especially here in, in the UK, trying to backpedal and, and, and sort of rectify or it's kind of like, oh, I've got a small cut in my leg. I'm going to make that cut just a little bit bigger because if I do that, more blood will come out and it will heal up quicker. And then it turns out, oh, no, hang on a minute, that hasn't worked. I'm going to have to go and put a Band-Aid on that. Oh, God, that's not working, and so on and so on and so forth. For that, I think that's... You know, to be honest with you, when I started this conversation, I didn't actually think that uh, the Anorax would be the the actual direct comparison. I mean, I was kind of trying to sort of put some comparisons with Voyager and the Voyager crew and and the personalities on that crew, but it turns out that uh, it's actually the quote-unquote bad guy that actually has the... But then having said that... Bad guy element. Is he really the bad guy? He's, he's just a guy trying, trying to, to do something. Yeah, he's exactly. trying to save his wife. That, that, that's his whole point. Is that 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 hair, that lock of hair he has in the uh, container? I, I watched the episode this morning to refresh myself, so that's why it's like, oh wow, he knows as well. It's like I watched it two hours ago. Uh, um, he, he's one of those kind of noble bad guys where it's like what he's doing is morally right, morally wrong, but he's doing it for what he feels is the right reason. There's a colony mm-hmm. that his wife was on who died. And he's trying to reverse time so that he can change the past to make sure that she lives. So it'd be like somebody trying to figure out which holiday that he knows that vectors happen throughout the year of, okay, if we did the lockdown here, could I have saved my friend who died of COVID? Uh, If we want to bring the analogy back down to a bigger world, it's like, okay, if we'd done the lockdown, let's say for us in the U.S. over 4th of July, if we had a stronger lockdown and this 
and this event didn't happen, let's say in Tennessee, I'm just there, I'm not referring to a specific one, but I'm just going, okay, if there was one party here that caused one person to fly to, you know, Ohio and who then infected somebody who went to Pennsylvania and, and he's from Philadelphia and that's where his, you know, his wife got infected. Okay. Maybe he went back to that party, eliminated that, you know, did the lockdown there, made that party never happen. Maybe he, his wife would still be alive and realizing that by going back to that party, something else didn't happen further along the timeline. Um, and he either made things worse or it caused something, you know, another, another event to happen that had a cascading effect that made it worse. His wife ended up dying in a car accident instead of COVID, et cetera. So that whole concept of chaos theory where certain, you where the paradox, where if you change one thing, it changes something else, but it still causes different branches. And that's actually something that they were playing with in, uh, in the episode with Jacote trying to figure out, okay, how can we get Voyager out of this mess and realizing that, you know, we could, we could eliminate the life of this asteroid. And we're not realizing that the asteroid had other implications throughout the sector. And so watching these politicians try and figure out, okay, where's the best place to put this so we can still mitigate, you know, how bad it's going to get, but also make everybody happy so it doesn't look as bad. It's still them trying to go, okay, this point, no, this point, no, this point, okay, maybe this point. See, uh, my, my, what I would say to that, and probably agreeing with you in terms of not taking account of the full consequences of a particular action, yeah. is that the, the free market economists that run America and that run the UK, their motivation has been they've said it's to protect life me being the cynical person i think their, their motivation has been to protect the economy okay? yeah now i think there's a certain amount of irony and on both sides of the atlantic by trying to protect the economy and getting us you know minimizing the lockdowns and getting us out the lockdowns i think they've actually damaged done more long-term damage to the economy because they were so short-sighted and by focusing on the one aspect they didn't see the full picture of what was out there of what could happen you know you can't jump out an airplane and then expect gravity to behave in a different way we're talking about science here you know you, you don't jump out the airplane and then negotiate with gravity over the size of the parachute that you have right and and the basis for comparison we have for that is are other countries like south korea japan who, new zealand um yeah new zealand new zealand is the best example new zealand is, is the best case scenario where they lock everything down put everybody on a pension so to speak and when don't go anywhere um, you're here, how you, here's how your bills are going to get paid. And they had two cases and they shut down the city and retested everybody. Um, but they did that earlier on. And now, <clears throat> you know, people could spend time with their families as opposed to, um, people like me, where my family lives, you know, a different state away as we joked about last time. And I had to stay within my own bubble, within my own city, as opposed to spending time with my, my parents and my, and my brothers. So, um, you know, you, their motivation was to try and quote unquote, keep the economy going, but no, you're right. They didn't fully look at, you know, their, their idea was to keep the stock market up basically and keep, you know, revenues flowing as opposed to just literally putting everything to a complete stop, putting this thing burn out. And it's not doing that because people don't follow the procedure and things, things don't happen long enough. Yeah. And you only get one chance, everybody, you know, cause we were locked down pretty well in the UK it was going well. And then they brought us out of it. And you only get one bite of the cherry. If you're going to lock it down hard, yeah, you're only going to get one go of that with society. So you better make sure it works the first time. And anybody who's looked at any kind of, because I did a lot of research back, because uh, I have there's somebody who I follow on Twitter. I'm not going to drop their name here, but they they were in Wuhan during the uh, during the initial lockdown. So what information could get out? Um, I, I so I kind of already knew the virus existed prior to January, and so but I. 
when it first started you know showing up and they start getting notifications i started going back to all the data from the h1n1 which aka the swine flu that happened in the us in 2008 2009 and how that was contained by uh those those procedures comparing that to the 1918 using the term spanish flu because it's not the right term but it's what it's normally caused as just watching those factors and their lockdown procedures and then also looking at uh, how it's currently being handled and watching the own vectors as you kind of see it kind of branch out in the you know in, in, the, in the minneapolis area plus also other major metropolitan areas i mean italy you know we, we thought that would be the worst of it when that happened too i mean they shut down the country for a month and we thought that you know 40,000 people dead would be would be the worst of it the u.s is far exceeded that but anybody who's looked at those maps would, would know okay this is what you have to do and unfortunately people were too busy trying to you know keep the economy going we're afraid of, uh, of letting that you know thrive or uh or too afraid of shutting everything down so that you know the, the numbers could work. Here, well here they were terrified of richard branson you know oh please let my planes fly you've got to keep letting my planes fly now there is an entire episode of spot the week of me ranting about richard branson and now's not the time to do it but i could rant yeah. about richard branson for weeks and <laughs> It's just, you know, and just watching, you know, we, we can look at this now because it's, you know, we, we've had time to look at this on the outside, but it's like just trying to watch, you know, like I said, you have the difference between the Voyager and the Voyager crew and Anorax and kind of our own situation is watching kind of people trying to mitigate this disaster like Anorax was doing, just trying to figure out, okay, we're on the timeline. Can we make, you know, the least amount of people? And Anorax could be an analogy for, any, you know, all types of people within, you know, both governments or, you exactly. know, kind of just trying to get, feed these people, you know, advice going, okay, here, no, here, no, here. If we do this for three months, we'll be fine. Oh, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this again, but still making it worse. Because, yeah, same with Anorax. He, he would eliminate one planet and make his empire worse. Do another planet and, you know, 98%, but he didn't get his desired result. I mean, one of the other the other things as well is the comp another comparison is you've got the you've got obviously uh, Anorax doing what he's doing, uh, Janeway and Voyager um, sort of caught up in the middle of this trying to figure out what's going off, but they all they both have their own agendas and eventually, like I say, we we find out that Voyager has something to do with the um, you know with the initial the shielding that they're trying to use to prevent the uh, torpedoes from basically from getting attacked. They found the chroniton signature, I think is the right term, for their temporal torpedoes, and we're using that to create shielding, which was causing an un, unstable element within Anorax's calculation. That was it, that was it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's fine. No, I, I mean, appreciate that, actually, to be honest, because I'm doing a lot of this from memory. Uh, you've got yeah. the benefit of, uh, you know, watching it quite fresh. Um, yeah. But the thing, the thing for me is, like I say, you've got these two agendas. Janeway is trying to get, um, trying to get the crew to the other end of Kren in space, yeah. and that is, even though it's, they just want to get out and get out of the way, it conflicts with what. So you've got different people, different countries, different areas. I mean, like here in the UK, the whole of Scotland's in a level four lockdown. Three quarters of England is in a level four lockdown, with certain areas not. Now that's Until all tomorrow. well and good. Until As, tomorrow. <laughs> until tomorrow. But what's happening then is you've got all the people individually that have got their own agendas, all yeah. trying to sort of do their own thing and, and interpret the rules in their own way. And just like Jane Wayne and, and uh, Anorax, they're conflicting and cause each other 
various different levels of just look at the, the state of Voyager. Yeah. To be fair, the uh, just a little gripe for me was that I would have liked to have seen Voyager to be in a bit of a dire state for at least a couple more episodes because you yeah. go through a year of hell, the thing's practically practically destroyed, and then the cheap shot at the end of the year of hell where she basically destroys Voyager and the Krenning ship and re- resets the timeline, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's like nothing ever happened. Missed opportunity. I mean, that ship was repaired way too quickly, way too often. And I know it was a TV show. I know we've had this before in the last episode. No, no, I understand that. Um, <laughs> but but um, I, I think they created yeah. that Enterprise when in the expanse. So that's, yeah, that's, that's all that storytelling was fixed later on. Oh, actually, I've just been watching Enterprise, and oh, it's the one where. <sighs> They get struck by the mine in the Romulan minefield. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's season one. Yeah, it's season one, and then they've got a bit of damage, but then they get out of it because they find a space station that performs a medical repair. Yeah, that's not, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that the one with the nefarious purposes where it's uh, there's uh, more to the space station than meets the eye. Is that yeah. the, that's yeah. the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the war, the, the war station, as you find out in the novels, yeah. Uh, or but, the war station, anyway. See, um, just to slightly backtrack just a little bit, um, I mentioned yeah. that Voyager basically was destroyed in the, the final moments of uh, the Year of Hell. Um, a lot of people I noticed on Twitter when it was coming up to New Year's Eve were basically turning around and saying, if you start the Year of Hell at this exact time, Voyager blows up yeah, I saw dead that too, on midnight. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it was like 10.32 uh and yeah um which you know my brother and i were on the phone during you know my brother and I, you know my brother i spent new year's eve at home literally in this exact same spot on the phone with my brother um and we went all right ed nothing happened all right cool well it's just like it's just like the year 2000 okay nothing happened okay so nothing changed uh we're still here but um i i think if in other episodes when i making your point about voyager getting fixed too fast in other episodes when you see voyager get you know go through a fight with whomever you know the erosion and whatever if yeah they would have an episode or two where this was like they're still fixing stuff you know that would have been that would have shown some continuity between between episodes where they could have this big epic you know two-part episode they barely make it through next episode Everything's 100% efficiency. Like, well, the um, other double episode was the one with the Herogens. Yes, I was um, just going to mention yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. The, the, the hunt, was it the Hunters? Hunted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hunters, yeah. That was the one where they turned the entire ship into a... Uh, well, a not, they didn't turn the entire ship, but they turned the whole index into hunting grounds with World War yeah. II Klingons and something yeah. else, I think. I can't remember it. Yeah, um, yeah. Those that was, that was the yeah, sentient holograms. Yeah. I, that was, I mean, the ship practically was blown to bits from the inside out, yeah. and yet, like you say, it was like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, we've got limited, we've got limited really resources. Fine. We have replica <laughs> rations. Oh yes, look at this brand new ship. <laughs> well, let's not talk about the torpedo cannon. I've seen those videos. Um, where they're like, somebody actually went through and did a video about Voyager. Um, going, all right, let's count the torpedoes. And because they say in the first episode how many torpedoes they have, and they're like, and they're done halfway through. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it, but 
I, I was, you but, know, I'm going to get some aid for this. Voyager wasn't my strong, wasn't my strong series. It's a bit of a it's, weird one because I'm one of those, I'm one of those trekkers where I have my favorite, which is Voyager, but I am yeah. not a, I'm not a bookended knowledgeable. There are things that I don't know. There are things that I don't remember. I'm just sort of like, I would say maybe the casual viewer. Gregor, on the other hand, he, I mean, he's, you know, he's quite knowledgeable when it comes to Deep Space Nine, for example. Yeah. Uh, he's quite knowledgeable when it comes to the um, to the writers, to the directors, to the showrunners and stuff like that. He can remember the names and stuff like that, whereas, you know, I struggle. I know, for example, that Jonathan Frakes directs quite a few episodes throughout Star Trek. In fact, uh, recently the uh, penultimate episode of Discovery, which yet again, he knocks it out of the park. But that's only that's that's in my memory fresh because it's only let's say it was only last week that I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I could never quote any of the episodes that he uh, that he directed in the past. He the only directed, one I can do. He directed. Oh, that's fine, man. He we directed go. the greatest ever episode of the next generation. Which one? Sub Rosa. Yeah. <laughs> greatest episode ever. If you can't have an episode of a TV show where the Doctor Bones or Granny's boyfriend's ghost, what can you do? That one. Okay. No, I've yeah, seen that one. Ladies and gentlemen, we have oh, now just, arrived I at just... the threshold section of the show. Oh Bush and Maya. I just I am sorry. Like I said I like I said before. Gates reminds me of my mom. So anybody talking like that, I'm like, dude, that's my mom. Um, my mom's a ginger and uh, very smart, very outspoken woman. So it's just like, dude, that's my mom. <laughs> and she's like, this is the best episode ever. They get it on. And it's like, no, no, it's funny watching, even going on Twitter, people are like, gee, Dobby. I'm like, please don't talk sexually about Gates. She's <laughs> I, th- I think, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I'm more in the Pulowski camp when it comes to the Doctor on uh, on TNG. I actually did like her character better than I did like, and I didn't dislike Gates McFadden in any way, shape, or form. But I preferred Pulowski to Crusher. I think season two Pulowski was a much better character and had much more story potential mm-hmm. than season one Beverly did. Because in season one Beverly just ran about saying, "My son, my son, my son." And didn't have much to do. She 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 got better. She got better writing as the show went on, yeah. culminating in Sub Rosa, where she bones her grandmother's dead boyfriend ghost, which is a fantastically the acting in that scene's amazing. By the way, Chris, I can I can go down, I can break lockdown rules, and I can go and punch him for you if you wish. <laughs> no, that's fine. One day lockdown will be over and both sides. And, and you he, he, he will see some random bearded American and going, oh, crap. Yeah, it. I deserve that. Dude, and, Okay, now my turn. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I'm largely in agreement with you. I'm largely in agreement with you. Why'd you punch the old guy? He knows. <laughs> let's, go, let's go have a drink. Where's the nearest pub? <laughs> I'm, I'm largely in agreement with you comparing season one Crusher to Pulaski. Because oh, there, there is no comparison there. Pulaski was much better. Is, the, is I, that you agreeing I, with me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. Oh, it's, 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 it's not noticed a pause of recording before I said that. But, um, I agree, if, man. That you, you are, and I think it shows either the evolution of the writing or just different writers treat, treating Pulaski differently and then realizing, oh, this is how we can write the Doctor character 
when Gates came back to see. I mean, I, I don't know if there was a power dynamic in terms of it because Diana Modore was a much more prominent TV actor and actually had been in a few Hollywood films by the time she got to, to TNG. Who, Gates or? Uh, no, Diana Modar. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, Diana, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if she had more clout with the writers, but Gates in her own right had been quite successful at the time of casting. I mean, she'd done all the choreography on Labyrinth and things like that. So she, she won't, she, you know, she wouldn't have been a well-time wallflower. And I think she was quite yeah. vocal with some of the stuff she was asked to do and say, no, I want, I want a bit more. I, I certainly know for a fact she was quite um, vocal with the producers about her relationship with Wesley. Where yeah. Her conversations with Wesley revolved around him fancying Ashley Judd. And if it was an engineering question, he would go to Jordy. And yet, as she pointed out, well, I was head of Starfleet Medical. Can I not have technical challenging conversations with my son? Or can we only talk about characters like Ashley Judd? So, yeah, I think she was quite right. Yeah, no, I, and it's it was great to branching against, I don't want to get too far off this, because I'm sure Gregor, you and I could talk about this forever, just watching Gates uh, or Beverly's you know, evolution as a, as a character, A, with different actors, different producers, Jerry Taylor, I always want to bring that up, Jerry Taylor uh, coming in in the fourth season, giving the female characters a lot different storylines besides... You know, as though like the jokes, repeating what the computer says. I says a lot of of Troy's character too, her changing uniform, giving them command command shifts on the on the bridge, letting them make command decisions. It was great to see that evolution. Even growing up now, where I didn't pick it up when I was twelve when I was watching the series, but I'll pick it up when I'm thirty eight, and just seeing how the, they, they treat the female characters as opposed to the male characters and what decisions they have them do story wise throughout the series. And watching that change has always been. You know, fantastic to see. Uh, you can start to see some of the uh, complaints that they had earlier on. Troy being told, yeah, you just sit there, look pretty, and just go, I feel nothing. And, you know, that's her character arc. And it's just like, no, she's got to do my butt. I, you know, some, I, I, I agree. And I, I think when I go back and do rewatches of TNG and I watch the early uh, early seasons, and mainly uh, Deanna, which is the one that stands out for me, it's just... It's so almost cringeworthy on some episodes, the you know, the, yes. the sort of the lines and the, the the sort of the way she, um, you know, is portrayed on that. I'm like, okay, that's. But knowing full well that it gets better for the line, um, yeah, after, and and whatnot. So when they end up with the uniform and a bit more, and I, it's something to look forward to. But it sort of. It makes you wonder how we actually, you know, it gives me hope for the current situation with Star Trek where there's people like Gregor, for example, who really don't like Discovery um, because there'll have been the same people back when TNG was airing that would have been watching the same thing and thinking, no. So it when things get better... Hopefully it does, and I think I don't know. Greg has not watched any uh, of the uh, season season three, so pointless asking him. So I'll, I'll directly yeah. question at you, Chris. I I genuinely think that season three of Discovery definitely started to get better towards the end, which is a bit of a shame. It should have been, a, you know, from the beginning. It had some good episodes and whatnot from the beginning of season three, but the last couple of episodes of season three, I think, were personally were good because twice I've watched that and twice I have got to the end of the episode and gone oh come on 
it's like that cliffhanger sort of that end. I want to see how this ends. I mean, you can't leave that there. It's and that's something that's been lacking from Discovery for a little while. I don't know what you think of the the, the, the recent episodes and and whatnot. Whether you agree with that sentiment or not. I I well yeah. Um, for starters, I want to say Discovery having thirteen episodes and these half seasons is a very big detriment to its overall storytelling capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is something I've discussed with others, actually mostly my brother, my younger brother and I talk about Trek all the time. He's one of those who's just like, you know, he, he isn't a big, he'll admit he isn't the biggest fan of Discovery. That's his own personal preference. Whereas I'm one of those guys who's like, wait and see. But one thing I noticed uh, when I've just been analyzing it on my own has been that Discovery, Discovery is lacking very much in the storytelling potential by having only 13 episodes per season. So at this, you know, it's season three, but at this point, we've only got, let me do the math here, 39 episodes, whereas that'd be a season and a half of a standard, you know, Voyager or uh, ENT or everything else. So you don't see as much character development as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and you only have one arc that kind of, you know, goes across. And even like with the, you know, the superhero TV shows I watch, you, you know, 13 episodes wouldn't feel enough. It would feel like short, you know, you need to have that entire 20, 22 to 24 episodes to kind of, fully understand the characters, give everybody a chance to breathe. And it feels very much rushed in the storytelling of trying to get character building, trying to get through this arc without you know, giving us too many filler episodes. But also you don't you don't feel enough of the crew. One one of my one of my criticisms for previous seasons and one thing I'm happy they, they brought up this season and maybe maybe some, one of the writers was reading my tweets or but I wanted to see more of more the bridge crew. I'm great to see that with Detmer and with Owu. And um, I just wish they wouldn't do it right before they killed off the character. Uh, spoilers for season two with Arian. But it was like the only time you got attached to a character that would kill them off. And I thought this is it's like, no, you need to care more about the character more than, you know, if, if you'd set them up like they did with Eddington a few times before you revealed him as the bad guy like they did in DS9. Okay, you start to know the guy, you start to trust him. Okay, you detached. His betrayal becomes that much worse because you see who he was beforehand. Whereas this one, it was the whole, you didn't know anything about Arian besides the fact that she was, you know, an augmented human. Half the people thought she was, she was an android. And so you didn't find out any more depth to her, but then by the end of the episode, she's gone. And so while the crew could have all this entire emotional connection to him, the audience doesn't. Like, they just did a sacrifice at the end of Nemesis, you know, had, had, had 22 year old guys crying in, in the theater and, you know, you know, because you had all these years to build up to him. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, no, I'm not crying. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, you know, but you had that build up for you. And, you know, you had that feeling um, towards it and just felt like too much of a cheat. And so I think you do have some better storylines. You do go into to, to, to the to the uh, 30th century, I guess, a thousand years in the future has been mm-hmm. great for potential. I just a, don't feel like they're flushing it out enough. We do not have enough time to explore this strange new world. I can use the term. We don't have enough time to explore different characters' reactions to it. Like I barely know anything about Bryce. I barely know anything about um, the other the other bridge officers who they don't need to have their own you know bridge episodes. But it's like you see them in the background, mm-hmm. and if you 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 don't get to know who this crew is that we're supposed to care about so much. You don't you know they're so fully so fully focused on the three main leads, Stamets, Tilly, and uh, and Burnham that. They're great. I love those guys. Really, I do. And the actors are absolutely fantastic. It's, but it's funny. You're supposed to care. You're supposed to care about the greater part of the crew, and you just mm-hmm. don't. And so when you see these stakes happen, you you know you you could have you could have Bryce and I'm forgetting his name. I wrote him a different story. Bryce and Reese. Um, 
die off. And honestly, I don't think, I honestly, I'm afraid people wouldn't care because you don't know enough to care about those guys. Or whenever you see like a Detmer centered episode, you start to have that fear of like, oh my God, is she going to die at the end of this episode? Um, because that's what happened with Aria. But no, I absolutely love the episodes where they, they, they got a chance to kind of go, okay, what is this, what is this trauma done to people? And you have Detmer's fight with Stannis. You had Detmer kind of regaining her, her confidence in her flying abilities. But it's like, I want to see more of those as opposed to always focus on this one storyline and not getting to see any other characters do anything else. One of the one of the things it's funny you should it's funny you should mention the sort of when you get used to a character and then they uh, get killed off. Mm-hmm. Now at the time of recording this episode we're at the penultimate episode of season three. Yeah. Spoiler alert for those that haven't watched it, but I don't care because if you haven't watched it by the time this episode airs us what have you been doing with your life? But the thing that I was I mean, I love the character. I don't know why. I can't explain it. It's like that favourite tea cosy. You don't know why you like it, but you do. I really started to like Rin's character. Yes. And I was just starting to get into the, you know, this this guy's a little bit sort of, he's like, what is he? You know, is, is, is he a submit, you know, and all that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, he's kind of relatable. I'm liking this. The whole episode with Booker's shit, Grudge the Cat and that whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's with Detmer and, you know, yeah, when he jumps on his lap, he's like, what the heck is this? That is pure gold. And then Mm. this episode, I thought, oh, he's really getting into the groove. He's going to find his place on Discovery. He's going to become, and then poof. What the? Yeah, exactly. It's like, if this had happened like next season or two seasons from now, we'd be crushed. I mean, it's. It's yeah. because they don't have the balls to kill off one of their main characters. Not even that. They just, I think their storytelling, and if one of the writers sees this, um, maybe we can have a chat. Um, but I uh, I think it's the fact that they're trying to build, you know, they're trying to create dramatic tension. It's a story, it's a, it's a, it's a story thing. They're trying, to, they're trying to do the Joss Whedon thing where you kill off a character to create a amount of shock, or you kill a red shirt to tension but it's like if you don't care enough about the character in i'm sorry i didn't get i didn't get enough to know i didn't feel connected enough to rin to really the thing, go the thing feel, is, feel the devastation twitter has been feeling about him and it's like well, you know just, and and not, and and i was just starting to get to know noah as an actor and his work i was like i was looking forward to seeing more of it i'm more annoyed than i am i've not i've not seen it him. i've not seen it but this is it sounds like this is exactly what they've done with Arium where she was nothing but there for exposition exposition to say yeah. one or two lines for an episode, and then she got an episode and they killed her. Uh, it's the, yeah. This is the thing with the, the, the drama that they try to introduce is that everything feels so unearned. Right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to have an episode of high drama, children, pointing at you. We're going to have an episode of high drama, and you will feel this way because we will do this. And it's like, but you're not earning it. You know, this is the thing with the yeah. I mean, let's talk about from... let's talk about how it's progressed the part of women in the writing, how brilliant the part for women is, you know, when Burnham says things to Tilly like Kate is eternal, when Tilly is holding the tub of ice cream in season two, waiting on the fifteen year old female leader of our people to arrive. What's that? Ice cream. I think that was just right in the group nine. It was just a great writing of just showing character moments because it's a little, you know, honestly, Burnham, Burnham and Tilly's conversation about Kika's Eternal would be like my brother and I going through, you know, talking about cigars, 
after going through hell. It'd be just be like, it's that little comfort thing that you need just because all this, you know, I can curse, all this crap has hit the fan and you're sitting there like, yeah, but at least we got this one little comfort thing that's like, all right, cool. You know, it's the one thing that bring you back to normalcy. You know, it's the one little thing too. You know, it's it's not a feminism thing. It's a comfort, it's a comfort thing because they're literally in in a, in in a room detailing all the, all they've, all who've died, all who they lost in that last battle against control and just the, can yeah, we I'm just trying to regain some sense of. Yeah. Um, we're talking about great science, great science fiction, a great science fiction so set in space that has a diverse cast that tells great stories. It does a show don't tell. Um, You're gonna say expanse. The expanse season five. Oh my f g. Honestly, apple I... store just made. I, I don't I don't mean to sort of speak about uh, another sci-fi show on a Star Trek podcast, but yes, Gregor is completely right. I'm watching The Expanse myself. I've been a fan from day one. Um, it does take a bit to get. If you've not watched it, go and watch it. It does take. You have to stick with it because it's a bit slow in season one. It starts to get a bit. Give it five episodes is what I found out this summer. I started watching this summer. Mm-hmm. I lost track after two episodes. My brother made me watch five. You once you get in the storyline, you you'll, you'll do better. Oh Perfect. yeah, definitely, definitely. And, yeah. and you are right because the I mean, um, not to spoil it too much, but season five there is um, you get to understand every I mean every element of what's going off. But what the expanse does really well is it gives you snippets of each character arc, each story arc. There's about yeah. four or five different story arcs all going on at the same time, but they do it in such a way where it's all intertwined, it's all interconnected, but they're separate in their own rights. But yet you don't feel overwhelmed by it. You don't feel like it's been rushed. You don't feel like it's been, and like Gregor says, the show and not tell. Uh, okay. yeah. you know, it's it's brilliant. It's, it's the allegory of the basic premise of the show that Star Trek in either its discovery form or Picard form simply doesn't do. They proclaim that they're doing um, allegory um, by saying that the Romulans, oh look, see the Romulans, they're Syrians. Um, or the new Klingons in season one of Discovery, that's uh, Trump and his supporters. And, and the signpost it, the absolute signpost it. The allegory in the expanse is you've got Earth, which is basically represents um, the Western world and its capitalism. You've got Mars, which is a very highly militarized society and represents the old Eastern bloc of countries. And you've got the asteroid, the belters, who are supplying both Earth and Mars with all their minerals. And that's an allegory for the third world of which neither the old Eastern Bloc or capitalism could have survived without basically draining the third world of all its resources. Mm. And the point is, the, the Expanse doesn't have pressure releases telling you that. It shows don't tell. You have to work that out for yourself. And, and, this is, and the thing is for me as well is the humanity of it. I mean, um, Shiro, I can never say, I mean, I, I apologise, I love her to bits, but I can never say her name properly, so I don't attempt it. 
Um, but the actress who plays Avasarala, brilliant, brilliant human being. Soraya Obadiscu. Yeah, that's why I. That's ex- that's why I. It's exactly why I did not Jeez. attempt it. I'm a fan because she 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 likes my tweets whenever I mention her. So it's like I, you know, um, I mean, and she played. Oh, she, anyway, keep and, going, keep going. And, I, I, and, I will go on about her later on. And actually, to be honest with you, there is actually a way of tying uh, Shrera onto uh, our podcast because she did actually yeah. she appeared in the um, Beyond. She, Beyond Star Trek Beyond. She was, yeah, she was Commodore Paris on uh, on the Yorkton. Any relation to quite a bit. Anyway, <laughs> possibly it could be, you know, you, Hey, Paris, it could be a common name. Uh, I'm just happy she was well, there. She was a, again, you see the thing I is right, wanna... the com- a comparison between, I mean, you look at the expanse, right? I mean, yeah. honestly, Avasarala drops F bombs like sweeties. She does it with poetry though. Oh, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, <laughs> The thing is, for me, is I have no problem with F-bombs in, in Star Trek. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's a human... I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing, foul language, because some people really don't like it. That's fair enough. That's that's your you know that's your, your right to not like it. But I think it adds the human element to a character when... Only when it's used in context... So, for example, in Picard, you know, um, the frustration on the Admiral's um, situation when yeah. Picard comes in and says, oh, by the way, can I have some ships and some men? And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, in that You're scenario, yeah. yeah, in that scenario, it works because if yeah. somebody came in and just went, oh, by the way, I, I abandoned you and I left you. And by the way, I'm coming back and I want something. You'd tell them to. Do me, do me all these favors. You're like, it's like, it's like your, it's like your ex who just left you devastated, and you know, completely homeless, and then going, yeah. So I'm gonna need to borrow your car, your house, and like five of your friends to help me move. And it's going, the hell exactly. I mean, I tell you what, um, I, I think to be honest with you, I mean, there's probably a few, but we would, we definitely have to set, like, set aside some time and talk about the expanse because. Yeah. Um, it, it deserves its own its its own sort of conversation in its own right. So we'll 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 bring this back. So to be honest with you, Jane Way would probably be a, a, a similar have a similar attitude to the Prime Minister of New Zealand in she, the way in the I, way I, that they dealt with the situation and just went boom. Was boom, a micro done. was a macrocosm similar to this, like a disease related? There's got to be a disease related episode. Yes, yes I, think macro, I think macro macro is a macrocosm. I studied science. Uh, but yeah, that's but, a definite, um, uh, definite but, episode. But, yeah, yeah. But but where yeah, she would have done containment protocols. The doctor and Paris, because he's basically the closest thing they have to a medical assistant, would have sat down, and Seven would have been sitting down trying to figure out the cure for this. It would, and it would have been similar to what Bashir did uh, with the blight in uh, in DS9, where he sat down and just quarantined the planet and tried to find a cure and then administer a vaccine. You know, nobody would have been allowed to, would have been allowed off the ship. No one would have been allowed to tr- do any quote, quote unquote unnecessary travel. Sick people would have been quarantined to certain decks. They would have triaged the decks and she would have found a way to contain it and cure it and then move about their move about their day. And anybody who was violating it would have been thrown into the brig or just confined to quarters. Or at least put in the decon oh. chamber of Hoshi and Tapol. No, that would have no, that would have been a reward, not punishment. So <laughs> he's he's cracking up. He's like, or or or, or 
or, or with Trip and Malcolm, if 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 you're of that persuasion. So I mean, or with um, Trip, Malcolm, Jose, and Paul. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who am I to to judge? You know. I mean, oh yeah, I know. I mean, and anyway, uh, before we get sidetracked into sounding really bad, but no, they would have. Uh, yeah, they would have been forced to quarantine. You could have had that Maquis member who was like, no, how dare you? You're not my captain. Um, trying to break it, and she would have had to push you know, push back somewhere if we want to bring the analogy back around to now where we have people going, no, I, no I'm not going to wear a face mask. I'm not going to quarantine. And Janeway you know, would have been like, no, you're doing this, and we're going to get Tuvok and a security team down there to do it. But again, Janeway had to do with 147 crew members as opposed to 450 to 500, you know, half a you know half a billion people. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know the population in the UK. So I'm guessing it's between 150 to it's, Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think we're trying so, to do an, ex, uh, an exact comparison, but I mean, yeah. like I said, I, I definitely it's... think for me personally, and this, I mean, I do have some personal connections to the name anyway, but I think for me, the optimistic side of things, uh, the hope, you know, that we yeah. will get through this, that we, Neelix's character, I think he is like, he, he loses his, he does lose his enthusiasm a little bit, but he doesn't lose it completely. And he's still, he's, he, he, he's with the captain, he, he plows through and, he, and it, there's, a, there's a bit at the end or towards the end when obviously throughout this year of hell, they've had to basically right, stop rationing stop stop unnecessary replicating everything that could be recycled and put back into the replicators and to make either weapons or repairs would be done and one of the items in question was a gift from chakotay yeah to janeway for her birthday i believe yeah and it, it was, was a stopwatch or not it was a stopwatch yeah, it was, the, the it was stop a pocket watch. watch yeah yeah and she basically says no we can't have this. You need to go and put this in the replicators. And and then when the ship's virtually at the end, she finds it. Yeah. And it's like, I told him to get rid of this. But he didn't. And that symbolized the hope and the, you know, that it's not, there's a way out of this. You know, there were still people that believed on yeah. the ship that they weren't going to, it wasn't going to be the end of them. They were going to survive this. And there are a lot of people in society today that nuts are going well. through this whole. Um... Some salted nuts next to the radio. <clears throat> right, did, did you hear that? Yes. Yeah, we could. <laughs> I was having a serious you... moment about hope, you... and there you are talking about salted peanuts. It's like it was intentional. I mean, yeah, no, I was, I was sitting, I'm sitting there like, wow, yeah, you know, John's making a great point, and then, yeah, yeah, some salted nuts, yeah, yeah, just put them right next to it, like. You're the guy instead who talks while they're giving, you know, you know, while they're giving a soliloquy, you know, the best speech of their life, and you got some guy going in the background going, yeah, I know we're going to go for a drink later on. Oh, you're working. I'm sorry. Am I interrupting you? Oh. So, so, right, so just for... <laughs> See so, what I've got to work with. So, Chakotay <laughs> gave Janeway some salted nuts at her birthday party. Is that where we're oh, at? Well, yeah. You get some salted nuts. Oh... Uh, I think I think Gregor is deliberately trying to make this as unbearable as possible for Chris so that he doesn't come back. Again. <laughs> Honestly, oh. this is what I have to work with. Oh, the nuts have arrived. But the the uh, 
So, 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 okay, let's take this back. So, John, take two, take two, yep. quiet on the set. Gregor, you're muted. Uh, let's bring this back. Let's talk about hope. And not only about that, but the, but, but what the watch symbolized, too, was a big part of that, too. Yes. Was, and I can't remember the captain's name, was the fact that it was, it was about a, sh- about a ship captain who was lost in a typhoon who mm-hmm. was assumed dead, and he came into London Harbor and was, you know, ship was basically busted to pieces, half a sail, but he made it home. And it was meant to be an analogy of hope before January to go. Jacody always going, you will always make it home. No matter what, and that is what Janeway has shown again and again. The type of captain she is is that she will always get the crew home. She will always, you know, she believes a hundred percent in her crew. Maybe ninety-seven percent in some of the some of the other ones, but still, she, her entire belief is one hundred forty-seven people were on this ship. One hundred forty-seven people are getting back home, and that's not changed no matter how hellish it gets. Um, mm-hmm. And then she has to unfortunately break up the band uh, um, at the end of, of episode one against her own. Her own desire, but she still does it um, because it ensures their survival. And um, it was the it was the whole sort of leaping without knowing. I mean, she had a theory. It was yeah. uh, it was it was theoretical that if she destroyed the Kremlin ship, it would restore the timeline. There was no guarantee that it was going to work. There was no precedent that it was going to work. And it was, and I think that's a nice way to close off. Um, is that she went and did that and pushed forward with that because it was the only thing they had to go on. It was the only thing she had to go on and it was the only possibility that she had. Whereas in our current situation, we have the vaccine, which um, people are like, they don't know if it's, they don't know what's going to happen going forward. They, yeah. they only have clinical trials to go off of, which is more than Janeway had, you know, she, she didn't have anything to go off of. She went, had nothing, only theory and scientific uh, and mathematical equations and stuff like that. So in a way, we're now at that point where going forward, the vaccine's getting pushed out there. We're getting, um, we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen going forward. We only know, we can only trust in what, you know, the trials have done. So we're in this situation now exactly the same way we're having to trust in the science in the medical science that it's going to work that we're go- it's going and I, I i personally i genuinely believe it will uh, well, I'm, not I, one of, um... I'm not one of these um these people that um don't believe it's like you mentioned earlier that some people believe it's a hoax and that's like i'm the same as you i don't think it is it's a real thing well, I, I spoke to my doctor uh, a few days ago about the vaccine mm-hmm. and i said um, well i'll be able to play the piano once I have the vaccine and he said actually why not I already know this is going that's funny I couldn't before um that's an old Simpsons joke man again he's having this touching moment you're just like oh I'm sorry am I interrupting you (laughs) there's a single one then we need to go back to muting muting you without you realizing it (laughs) well unfortunately uh, (laughs) I'm not the host on this occasion so I want his buttons so as soon as I start to, start to hear him peep up, I'm like, yeah, I know this joke. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, you're exactly right. We do have to take a, you know, we, we do have to trust our gut right now. We do have to mm-hmm. kind of trust the information we're given. Um, and I know it's harder considering consider there's so much conflicting information, but you have to go with what's, you know, like I said before, you you know, having having done my own research, I know how to sort through the muddleness of what's 
you know, what's real and what's, 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 what's based upon nothing. And if I get other facts that present a different point of view, yeah, I'll review them. But, you know, everything I've read about these two, but at least the two that are available in my country right now, I believe it's the Moderna and the uh, um, Pfizer vaccines. You do have to go off of your gut, off of what you, what science is telling you and go, mm -hmm. you know, these are safe 80 to 90%. Three people out of thousands have had a allergic reaction to it, which happens with any vaccine. It happens with the flu vaccine. As someone who's had to take various vaccines for whatever reasons, and you know, you, you have to trust the science and know that, yeah, for the first five days, you're going to feel like crap because it's your body going, yeah, what is this mRNA? Because it's 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 mitochondrial RNA that's going in there to treat you know to tell to tell your body this is what you need to fight against. These are the tools. Mm -hmm. So um, it's basically your body getting the tools it needs to fight this off should it encounter it later on. Which is how vaccines. One of the things is is that um, the long term side effects and stuff like that. There, there's no long term side effects to any vaccine because of the nature in which a vaccine works. It's it goes into your body and it it go it it stays in your body for a finite amount of time, just long enough, like you say, to teach your yeah. own body cells what to do. If there were any long-term side effects of it, we would have found this in the clinical trials. Yeah, they actually had to shut down three of them because um, you know there's there were I think four major trials and you know we and we could go on about how vaccine trials work, but but yeah, they they, they would have figured out any immediate effects. Um, and I, you know, there aren't any long-term side effects in most flu vaccines, depending on how much strength you get. And it is solely based upon body type. I mean, no, 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 type. No, the only concern I've got with the vaccines is, and nobody knows this because it's not been around long enough, is we just don't know how effective they'll be in 12 months' time. That's the, the yeah. X factor in this. And if we need to go for another dose, it's the same thing with the flu yeah. vaccine, where every September, you, 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 you know, you get a jab and you go about your way. And it cost me, I think my insurance covers it now, but before I think it used to cost me 20 bucks. And it's like, I'd rather get 20 bucks than have to worry about giving it to my grand, giving the flu to, losing, think, you know, losing, losing work due to the yeah. flu or giving it to my colleagues. I think it's more the um, logistics of administering a vaccine to an entire population of a country on a 12 monthly rotational basis. Yeah. Is the, is the bigger concern. Um, Especially with one that's as, as, I hate to say it, as fragile as, yeah. as at least the Moderna version is, where it has to be a negative. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because we've well, we've got we've got the Moderna one and we've got the AstraZeneca one now. But the AstraZeneca yeah. one is it's not quite as effective, but it's a lot easier to to store and transport. Yeah. Well, um, but again, it comes down to us having to trust. You know, exactly. Tr yeah. Trust the process. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's okay to be a bit skittish, but still, in the end, you realize it's what you need to do. And you, know, you do need to, you need to, as you're as you're doing the analogy, you need you need to make that leap of faith. You need to trust your gut, trust your instinct, and just you know forge on ahead because honestly, that's the only option we've got. And I think that's, that's why Jim Lee ran ran the ship. It was the only option yep. she had left. Yep. That was her no-win scenario, and that's how that was her you know that was her resolution. And I think we need to take a leaf out of Janeway's uh, Janeway's book on that one and and sort of. Yeah. Push I mean, forward and personally, and I think she should have just killed two Vicks again. Um, not touching that one, not yeah. touching that one. Oh, um, anyway, but yeah, well, going back to your leap of faith thing, yeah. Oh, oh, we, we, we are one one day we are, and we're bringing you on for it because I'm just gonna introduce you both Ooh. and just let you, two Vicks. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tuvix, step Mr. into Tuvix. the transporter. 
But anyway, on that note, as is always the case, uh, the linear nature of time, which which means yeah. that some of you are grateful of, because um, Gregory is starting to get on my wick a little bit, as he always does every week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for tuning in once again. Um, to our regular listeners, we appreciate you coming back every week and downloading every week. It means so much to us all. Let us know who you are and we'll give you a shout out. Yes, uh, I was just, that's a great idea. Actually, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, let's um, let's find out. So we've mentioned Dallas. Uh, the guys that are listening to us in Dallas give us a shout. Um, we've got people from San Francisco. There's uh, one person in Canada. Uh, we've got a couple of people in the UK, some of which we know. Uh, Greg this, is one of is, them. This is brilliant because if they're in Dallas, we can shout out their name and we can have music in the background from Dallas. You know, do, 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 that's do, not cliche do. at all. And then it? we can, not... but the, the ones from San Francisco, we could do the streets of San Francisco starring Cal Malden and Michael Douglas. We could do that. Canada, we can have Blame Canada from South Park. This is like, there's miles in this. There really is. And uh, there they go. She's from Canada. Yes. Um, yeah. Everything's yes. come on yeah. since Canada came along. Okay, you can stop now. We're going to get a copyright strike. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> We are, we are we are no longer available on Apple Podcasts. Trey Parker will sue you. Matt Stone will just be like, whatever. Um... <laughs> at, least, hey, at least Mozart can't sue us. He's dead. Well, that to be fair, that is actually the only um, the only saving grace to that little entry to the show is that uh, yes, um, yeah. it's it's old enough to be copyright free. But no, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for for listening. Yeah. Um, now, Gregor probably doesn't know this yet because I, I haven't told him. But uh, for a little while now, we have been shouting out about uh, Patreon. Um, but recent thought that Patreon really isn't doesn't really work for us because it's a subscription based support system. And we don't really feel that that's right. So from now on, if you like what we do, you can buy us a drink, especially Gregor, because he loves the drink. And you can you can do that quite simply. Um, I don't know why he's holding the bottle up, because it's a podcast, not a video anymore. We can see it, but you at home can't. Well, now the um, viewers know I'm holding a bottle up, and I haven't done anything except hold a bottle up. Yeah, because I've told them. I mean, <laughs> anyway. I viewers, I mean listeners. 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 <laughs> So if you want to buy us a drink and leave us a little message, then please do uh, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Spock the Week pod. Uh, the details of which are on our Twitter page and will be in the show notes for this episode as well. And like I said, you can buy as many or as little as you want and just, and there's no obligation. No, you can do it once and never do it again. It's up to you. But the most important thing is you keep coming back to us and whether you go to this or not is up to you, but just keep listening. Please. Can I talk about coffee since you brought it no. up? No, no. Because, because I this had is the a fantastic the cup of coffee when I was out for my walk the other day. The Kilimanjaro Coffee in Nicholson Street. Fantastic. Brilliant coffee. Almost as good, if not better, than Wellington Coffee on the corner of George Street and Hanover Street. I know there's nobody from Edinburgh listens, but just... If either of those coffee houses happen to be listening to this podcast, we are looking for sponsorship. That's that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, or or, or Gregor's simply going, you're going to buy me a coffee. 
Buy me boots. This is what I want. This is like his image on the whistle list. It's more that I would, mu- I would, I would much rather support these independent local businesses than Starbucks. That's, Amen that's, to that. Fair enough. That's, that's fair enough. Fair Amen enough. to that. And um, on that lovely, lovely, yeah. lovely bombshell, uh, we'll have to end to the show. Um, I've been the Alban Droid. Just before we end the show, can I just say, because we spoke about it earlier, I'm going to watch that episode of TNG where uh, Gates McFadden bones a grandma's dead boyfriend's ghost. Is this going to be one of those episodes where I have to cut it off? No, he's fine. He's fine. Not before he's fine. Gates. Not before I'm... Gates bones the ghost. Don't cut it off. <laughs> right. See, anyway, seeing as you keep interrupting, seeing as you keep interrupting, for tuning in. <laughs> keep going. Sorry. Okay, would you like to close out the show then, seeing as you keep interrupting me? Um, no, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Why don't you do it? I think I did the last one, didn't I? I think I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> if you've if you survived this long, thank you very much. Uh, we do apologise for Gregory. He will be muzzled for the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. I've been the Alba Android. You can find me at Alba Android on Twitter. He's been a twat. Uh, as well as the Kravit Ginger. And you can find him at Kravit Ginger on Twitter. And our guest this evening has been Christopher. And you can find him at The Great Merman. Is it The Great Merman or is it just Great Merman? It's The Great Merman. Yeah. The Great Merman. Yeah. So we're all open on Twitter. Come and follow yeah. us. Come and say hi. And that's us for this week. Live long and prosper. Do you want me to stop recording now? Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs>